Hi guys, it's D. This is Dirtbag History. Sorry I haven't been around in a few weeks. I miss you guys so much. We have a special one today. It's with State Senator Andrew Gennardis. Um, We talk about a bunch of stuff. Local, uh, state stuff, national stuff. Part of the Good Egg Club, of course. This is our third podcast together. It's been fun. Bit of riot. Bit of goof. Bit of gaff. Uh, hope you enjoy it. I really didn't prepare this intro. It was just an intro to ease us into the conversation with Andrew. We talk about Cuomo. We talk about COVID. We talk about politicians and, you know, how crooked they are. And we talk about Kristen Cinema, who is a fucking demon, in my opinion. Um,. Yeah, we talk about a bunch of stuff. Check it out. Give it a look. Give it a like. I do another podcast. I produce another podcast called The Team House. Check that out. Um, and that's it. I really didn't prepare this intro, but this is Andrew Gennardis. Check him out. New York State Senator. Will Andrew run for governor? Listen, you'll see. Thanks, guys. So, Andrew Gennardis, State Senator. How are you, sir? I'm all right. Awesome. What's going on? Good. Good. Doing great. You're just talking off air about uh, Cuomo being a villain. Yeah. I was saying, you know, it's uh, he's been out of office now for like, what, seven weeks, uh, almost eight weeks. And it's it's just like a new day in New York government. And there's someone who works in government and like has to deal with government all day long, every day. Um you know, it's, it's just a completely different feeling. It's almost like the roses are redder. The sky is bluer. The air is fresher. Really? Uh, you know, it, it's, and, and it's nothing like there's nothing specific. It's just, everyone has a different, like bounce in their step. Everyone you talk to in government now has a different bounce in their <clears> step. Does it feel like they're uh, not walking on eggshells anymore? It's not walking on eggshells. It's almost like the end of the Wizard of Oz, you know, where like everyone's like ding dong, the witch is dead. Yeah. You know, and that might be a little like a bit of an extreme, but I think there's just like this whole feeling that it's like a new day. Uh, no more walking on eggshells. No more, you know, everyone trying to like figure out what the, you know, the, the four dimensional chess is going on. <laughs> like, people want to work together now. Like I got a call from the governor's office last week uh like saying you know do you want to work on this with us i was like what do you want to work on this with us like work with you on something productive and positive like it's great yeah sure let's talk more it, you know, it's a whole new the whole new day i mean that's great i mean that's i mean it's very rare that you get that feeling in uh politics i feel like you know what i mean mm-hmm. in government broadly it's Honestly, it's the way things should be, you know, and look, I'm not naive or idealistic thing that it's always going to be, you know, hunky dory and everyone's going to always like get along and kumbaya. But the fact that, you know, there are like our conversations happening about collaboration, the fact that the governor and the presumptive new mayor of New York are sitting side by side talking about a partnership. Like when was the last time you ever heard that? Yeah, no, it's definitely a good, a better sign than what it used to be. Yeah, sure. Absolutely, for sure, because they were always at each other's throats since for the last 10 years, you know, eight yeah, years, whatever. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's it just it's amazing how during the depth of the pandemic, you have the mayor go on TV and say, this is what we're going to do. 
you know, this is an important public safety measure. And then an hour later, you have the governor go on and say, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Yeah. And then like three days later, the governor would announce the same thing the mayor announced, you know, a couple of days earlier. It just, it's like, it was a whole bizarre nightmare. Yeah. Pissing. That's right. It was a pissing contest. You know, it was like, who, who, you know, exactly. And it, it was going on for too, for far too long. And, you know, look, the governors, governors and, and mayors have historically never gotten along, you know, 100%, but they took it to a whole new level. Right. Yeah. It was and definitely it was just so whole, chaotic. Right. It became a narrative in and of itself. And you know what was funny? Like at certain points, especially like middle pandemic going more deep into it, mm-hmm. kind of didn't really like make news. Like it was just like a normal thing. Like it was just yeah. like, oh, yeah. Bill Blazer says this, Cuomo says that they're kind of shit talking each other on their press conferences and that's it. Yeah, no, it was totally. Uh, and they were both at fault. Like, I don't think one was right and one was wrong. I think they were just both at fault and it was just really bad environment. And I think a lot of people suffered because of it. I think there was, you know, it certainly made my job harder, Yeah. you know, cause you'd hear, you hear the mayor go on TV and make an announcement. And then all of a sudden my office would get calls saying like, what does this mean? What does this mean? It's like, I have no idea. No, okay. they didn't tell me in advance. They just made this announcement. And then, you know, an hour later, the governor would reverse it and then we'll call my office and say, well, what does this mean? I was like, well, oh. I have no idea. They didn't yeah. tell me either, you know, and it wasn't just me. It was everyone. Like they didn't tell anyone anything. And like when so, you reached out to their offices and you'd be like, I need some like guidance or clarification, they would just be like, oh, just, you know, when it happens, it ha-. like, I feel like they were just kind of shooting from the hip a little bit, you know? Yeah, some of it was that some of it, you know, they may have had a strategy or a plan for a lot of stuff, if, but they didn't communicate. They, they were very good at communicating the what, what you have to do, what has to be done. I think that in their own ways, they were really bad about communicating the why. Sure. You know, like maybe they offer like the like the top level, like like the summary as to why, but they really didn't explain the why. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think you had a lot of people who were frustrated with a lot of the mandates and a lot of the restrictions and masks and business closures and school closures, especially like last year, you know, cause like there was no explanation of why, why did you draw these boundaries? Right. You know, red, yellow, orange. And like, why are half the blocks in, you know, yellow and the other half the blocks in orange? Like it didn't make, it didn't make sense. And, you know, there was no good answer for it. And right. it just added right. to the frustration. And then people took that frustration out on me because I was their local government rep, sure. right? Like, sure, you might call Andrew Cuomo's office or Bill de Blasio, like call City Hall, but you're not going to talk to anyone there. You're going to talk to someone in my office. Right. And you're going to yell at them because you're upset about what's going on. And I have no answers for you. Yeah, that's brutal. That's a, I mean, yeah. last year was a fucking nightmare. This year, too, has been kind of, you know, not amazing, but it's definitely, you know, we're trending in the right direction. A step up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the whole nursing home thing too with Cuomo. It, it's just like, you know what it felt like? It felt like his number one priority was doing enough to make it look well compared to Trump too. Like, he, you know, just showing that you have a fucking normal brain. Yeah. Kind of like shows like, Oh my God, what a great leader. And I think at a certain point it just became self aggrandizing. It just became self-promoting like the book thing, like, bro, write the book. Like after, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like after, like it's less than 1% in the city, COVID and shit like that. You know what I mean? Cast a check, but write the book in a couple of years, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just- you know, there were stories, there were reports how, you know, at the, 
at the heyday of like his daily press conferences, he would get off TV and like he would ask his staff for like the viewership numbers. You know, you yeah. can get those in real time from the networks. And like, you know, X million people watch you on Fox. X million people watch you on CNN. X million people watch you on ABC or NBC or this or that. That, that gets to you. I mean, I'm going to be honest, like that level of attention and of admiration really just messes with your head. And I think that was a big part of like, his downfall, honestly. The interesting thing is like this guy's been in the public eye for like for the most part of his like adult life, right? So yeah, married a his kid, whole life, yeah. Bro, yeah. like you know what you're doing. Like this is all calculated shit for the most a cynic would say that. I am a cynic. Um so to not be able to handle it's not like oh, oh here's like a new lotto winner, right? You don't know what to do with all this money and all this attention or whatever. Like this guy's you would assume he's a savvy political operator. I'm sure he is politically and like a good operator, like you know, lean on people when he needs to, blah, blah, blah. But like communications wise, you think this guy would be able to handle that. But I get it. Like, you know, you're getting, you know, homosexual stuff like, you know, like people like all over you and loving you and stuff. I get it. it can go to people's heads for sure. Totally. That's exactly what happened. You know, goes to your head. hundred percent. Like ratings, right. Or like viewerships, like bro, yeah. you're not a Twitch streamer. You know what I mean? Like you're a governor yeah. Yeah, yeah. of a massive state. That's, and there's a pandemic going on. It's not just the mundane government stuff that like no one really like pays attention to. You know what I mean? Right. Which is also unfortunate. Like more people should pay attention to the mundane stuff, but it sucks because it's boring. It's boring. Yeah, uh, I get it. Yeah, totally. So who are we endorsing for governor? I don't know. We'll see who's going to run. You know, there's a, uh, it's going to be a really interesting year next year. Very interesting. I well, think between the, you know, the current governor, you know, there's talk about Jumani Williams running, who's the current public advocate. He wants to run on the left. Uh, there's obviously everyone's thinking about Tish James and what she's going to do and what her decision is going to be. Uh, you know, there's talk about Congressman Tom Swazi from Nassau County, Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone. There's a lot of names out there. Um, I think it's too early to tell, frankly. Really? You know, it's there's I think you have to give the governor a chance to prove herself sure. and you got to give her at least a few months. The problem is if you want to challenge her, like you got to start fundraising now because you have to get, you have to announce by the end of the year and then get on the ballot by February. That's like, that's four months away. Yeah. So people are not a lot doing it. Huh? You're running. Am I running? Yeah. You know, I'm going to run for something. We'll see. You know, maybe I'll run the marathon, the half marathon, <laughs> the 5k. I'm definitely have running. A, have you had a conversation with your staff about should I do this? Should I not do it? Or not even your staff, no. like yourself, like in your in the shower? No, not even. No. You sure? Even if I wanted it, I'm not ready. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that I want it, but even if I did want it, I'm I'm nowhere near ready to take on that type of responsibility or leadership. Like that's that's a very big leap. Yeah. You know, and and I, I the one thing there's a lot about there's a lot that I know I don't know. I know that I'm not ready for that yet. For sure. I mean, that's definitely it's good to be self-aware. I mean, I think, I don't know, man. What, what don't, what aren't you ready for? Like just the, the that's just politics at like that, like not the politics, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like the backhand stuff, which exists, you know, it does. So. Yeah. It's not so much that like you have to, um, you, you have to feel confident in your, in your skill set and your ability and in your record. And, you know, like people have to grow over time. You know, it's 
one of those things like, you know, if you're a, you might be a brilliant surgeon, but I, you know, a, a brilliant surgeon at with 10 years of experience is maybe a hell of a lot better than a brilliant surgeon with one year of experience, right? right? Yeah. Uh, you might still have the talent and the skills, but the experience is really what helps you there. And it's not like, not necessarily just political experience, it's just you no know, leadership experience. And I yeah. don't, uh, I know that I, you know, maybe I have the, the skill set, but I don't have the, the right level of leadership experience to be able to lead the state. You know, like you have to, you have to have, in New York State's 20 million people. You have to have a majority of them be willing to follow you. Right. And that's like, think about it. That's like a very, like, that's a big deal. You have to have more than 10 million people basically say, we want to follow you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't just grab that rail like that, you know, grab for it without being able to handle that type of responsibility. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it makes sense. It's measured. You, um, listen, that's the funny thing. Like most politicians and people in the public eye, everyone's got an ego too. It's good that you, yeah. you I mean, you do too, but it's not to the, to the level like where it's, yeah, I could definitely do this job, which I, I mean, I know you think you could, right? Like you're not in this game to think that oh, I can't handle that. But right. Like you said, you do need a little bit more seasoning and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, I, I guess it looks better too. you know, you need, you need to build a coalition, right. To run for governor. So like you got to like kind of sell yourself to the, the powers that be, whatever the power structures are inside the party and outside of the party and all that. So, I mean, yeah, I, no, that's, that's a big part of it too. What about Bill de Blasio? Are you going to endorse him? Oh, you know, I, yeah, I forgot to even mention him. <laughs> <laughs> forgot he was running uh he's saying I, I, he, he's running i i find it i would find it a very difficult circumstance to imagine a world in which i endorsed him for governor right you know um yeah never say never but i just think it would be a i, I can't imagine a set of circumstances that would lead me to think that he's the best choice to be governor I mean, I'd be shocked if he made it through the primary, to be honest. You know, it's funny. I, I want to agree with you. Yeah. And I think I largely do. But that's what everyone was saying about him in the, in the, when he was running for mayor in the primary. Right? Like, I'd be shocked if he even gets to the top three. You can't underestimate the guy because he knows how to build coalitions. You might not like him. We yeah. might not like him. You know, but the the people that the coalition that elected him still largely likes him sure and that's no small thing right yeah i mean he just has no no charisma and i know that's part i mean that's got to be something of it you know and i get it building the coalition and doing the dirty work i don't know i'm just he 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 doesn't really light anyone's fire i feel like i know it's like he's in it he can handle like the the grind of it, right? Like what needs to get done in terms of like you started building the coalition, but oh my God, let's have somebody with like a pulse a little bit. You know, it's funny every year I looked at a poll today and uh, I looked at a tweet today and they said that every year he was in office, his approval rating statewide went, got lower and lower and lower. So his like approval rating statewide right now is in the low forties. Um, and it just dropped every single year since the moment he got elected. Low 40s is bad? 
Like low low forties is not great. Low like high thirties is bad. Right. Okay. Um, low forties is not great. It, you can still salvage yourself. Mm-hmm. You're a politician. You want in the mid to high forties is like a good spot because you okay. or higher, right? But like if you're like forty five or above or forty six and above, you're in good territory. Yeah, you're feeling good, right? Yeah, because like because got- even though a majority of people are still technically disapprove of you. Those numbers are so fungible. They change all the time. It's right. like with, with the margin of error, plus or minus, like 45, 46, you're dealing okay. Yeah, because you got to assume even if it like breaks party lines, five, 6% are going to be independent. Yeah. Right? And you need to win yeah, yeah. 7%. If you split that, maybe you get there. It makes sense. I mean, who right. else? Who else is there? That's all that I've seen so far. I mean, on the Republican side, there's... Uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin mm-hmm. from Long Island, and there is Rudy Giuliani's son, Andrew Giuliani. Nice, awesome. What's his claim to fame? Being being Rudy Giuliani's son, and then just getting a no show job in the White House. Basically, that's cool. It's good work. Yeah. You get it, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, look, hey, poli- politics is great work. You know, it's like a no show job for everybody. If you can- How is that an option? <laughs> like, are, the, are Republicans like? Are they for real? Are they just fucking? It's just theater, all the time. I think it's become more theater because there are, you know, the, the, the party has moved so far right. And it, basically it's Trump's party now. It's like, so there is no gone. There used to be a whole generation of like New York Republicans. They were moderate. They were common sense. You know, they were maybe socially conservative somewhat, uh, but more socially liberal and just like fiscally conservative. Right. right like right. Nelson Rockefeller. Um even like George Pataki in some ways was not an extreme right-wing governor. He was right. definitely a conservative, but not an extreme. I know those days are gone. Um, it is all Trump's party. Yeah, dude, it's like, it's kind of scary, bro. Cause like, even if it wasn't Trump's party, I definitely per- most likely would not vote Republican unless I was like, became a hedge fund manager somehow. Um, but to the, the level that they take it to is Oh, it's staggering. It's like almost like yeah. unbelievable. And I get it. You got to kick up dirt and stuff to get like eyes on you and shit. But at a certain point, you got to act like a human being. And you have to show some level of compassion. I'm not saying to be overly compassionate and be like a yeah. freedom fighter, like, you know, like a total progressive, whatever. But dude, like a heartbeat would be great. You know, and I, I pride myself on trying to be logical and reasonable. And like, I find none there. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you told me if, if, like you said, like the corporate old school, moderate Republicans who are are basically like Democrats, like cinema and fucking mansion, those are their Republicans. Um, if you, if they came out and they were like, listen, we want low taxes and like small government, like the whole, all the talking points, like the, the, yeah, hardcore tenants of the former Republican Party, then at least I can kind of respect where they're coming from. But now it's like madness. It's like crazy. It's totally. just cult. Like there's no ideological consistency. Like there is no ideology. It's right. not like there's like a governing philosophy that they all believe in. It's whatever Trump said. They just adopt that. And even like Trump's platform was so inconsistent with itself right it's like it's not a 
governing philosophy. There's no, you know, there's no like master plan to their theories. It's just whatever, whatever their, whatever their leader says that they just follow that blindly. And what's interesting is like, if Trump was like this charismatic, sharp guy who can charm the pants off people and really like sound like he knows what he's talking Mm. about, then I understand drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Like I get it. I see the reasoning behind it, but like, it's just crazy. It's just, he's acting like a dictator that's been in power for 40 years, even though he hasn't been in power for 40 years. Like he's totally lost grasp, like the tether to like real life. Yep. That's what's why. And then like they're, everyone's just following along. And even people like those like moderate Republicans, like the Lindsey Graham's and shit, like they'll, they'll, they'll go along too. They all just fall in line because he's got such a hold on people and on politics. It's just, you know, there's, there's no hope for them. And you see, like, even of all the Republicans who, so like the 10 Republicans who voted to um, impeach. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the House or to certify the election in the House, rather. I think like half of them have already announced they're not going to run for re-election because they're getting primaries and right. they're going to lose their primaries. Oh, and their primaries. Like the Republican base. Good. The Republican base is all is all Trump. Yeah, it's brutal, it's, bro. Like if Dick if Dick Cheney's daughter is the voice of reason in yeah, the what does that say? party, we got a problem, bro. Yeah. The daughter of a war criminal is the voice of like reason in the, in the party. That's a problem. Yeah. It's super, it's, it's fucking nuts to see. Cause I know it was always like, listen, bro, I know you're a Democrat and blah, 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 but I'm definitely lefty. I'm definitely like, I want some type of Medicare for all. Like if that makes me a progressive socialist, whatever you want to call me, I'll sign me up. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just crazy to witness and just listen to these people day in, day out and be like, yo, these people are congressmen and women and senators. Yeah. Like there's only five hundred and thirty five spots. Right. Like it's, it's a whole country. Yeah. It's a small group of people that run this country. And. For it to be like taken over this way is is almost crazy. And then, like you see, like the moderate Democrats, Cinnamon Mansion are not—they're—they're they're, they're Republicans. Let's call a space. I know you probably can't say that. I'll say it. No problem. Cinema is the worst. Oh yeah, she—I I don't know what she's doing. I mean, it's, a, it's unconscionable to me. And it'd be one thing if she was like articulating a vision or right. like a policy goal. She's not even doing that. She's trying to play cute with politics here. And, you know, she might get some short term publicity out of it. But for the long term. Yeah. I don't understand what she's doing. Her base is, you know, is up in arms against her in back in Arizona. The only people that are fawning over her are like the the D.C. Beltway pundits. Right. Who I just love to see when people make a name for themselves. Like who else is who else is like really excited? It's kind of crazy to me, man, like. It, like you're a senator. There's only a hundred hundred senators. Yeah, like you should do more with yeah. it. Also, the optics of Mansion on his yacht while like his constituents are in canoes trying to talk to him like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. It's just like, dude, what's West Virginia is the one of the poorest states in the country. Like you think you'd be doing trying to do whatever you possible to bring jobs to your state, 
do whatever you can to like get people health care, keep them alive. There's the na- normal shit. And I know you got to deal with, you know, corporate, you know, lobbyists giving you money and shit like that. And like having to hear them out at the very minimum, right? Like you have to at least do that. Right. But yeah. I mean, are you even a good politician if you could take their, if you can't take their money and tell them to fuck off? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are you even good at your job if you can't do that? Yeah. Right. Right. No, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's just so frustrating to watch because like, and you see this problem play out for generations, how people often vote against their best interests. And that happens at the individual level. It happens at the political level also. Like Manchin supporting these bills would do more to help the people of West Virginia than anything else he's fighting for right now. Right. Hands down. Right. But like he's holding on to this old notion of something that just doesn't, it's not real. It doesn't exist. And I just, I don't get it. It's funny too. I have friends who uh, hated Trump and they're like, oh, you really like what Biden's doing? I'm like, listen, sure. Biden's not lighting things on fire where he's like this like super spry guy who's like super charismatic. Sure. Like you don't get like the optics of it, but, and some of these people will benefit handsomely from an infrastructure bill that adds $40 billion to NYCHA or SCA or all these government agencies that are going to spend so much money where these people own businesses where like, you should be, you should be fucking down in DC with signs up being like, yo, we need this infrastructure bill to pass. Yeah, exactly. And magically like these Republicans and like the blue dog, you know, like the blue dogs or whatever, uh, are like so worried about the debt. You're really worried about debt magically. The deficit matters all of a sudden. Yeah, you want to give Trump a tax cut that costs us ten trillion dollars over ten years, and now all of a sudden the debt matters. And by the way, like it doesn't matter. Like that's like the crazy thing is like the laws of economics show us, and like research shows that at the national level, national debt does not really matter. So it's like it's just mind-boggling how these arguments are still being treated as valid, and right. how like the press writes about it like it's a really serious and like legitimate and thought-out concern. You know, you the government, like the budget of the government, is not like the budget of a household, where you have to like make sure that you have enough right. you know, dollars in your pocket in the, the day to buy your milk and buy your bread. National governments don't work that way. That's not how the national economy works. Um, and like it's just it's crazy to me that we still hold on to these antiquated notions as to what. Uh, you know, like how basic economic, you know, economics work. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and like, listen, like we pulled out of Afghanistan and stuff. Why are we spending almost $800 billion in defense? I'm not saying to not spend any money on defense. I'm saying, first off, look at where your money's going. Cause I guarantee you there's the waste is probably ungodly un- across the entire government. Um, and like, I don't know, look to actually benefit people's lot. Like, I just, it just makes no sense. Like whatever the military needs. Yeah, no doubt. You want an F-35 that barely beats other, other fucking aircraft for a $1.5 trillion boondoggle over 10 years. Yeah, no doubt. Go for it. Let's do it. Because it's a jobs bill because 45 states build parts, which makes it impossible to fucking maintain these things. Yeah. It's just, un- it's crazy to me, man. It's crazy. You know, and it's also like when you talk about these numbers, you know, they want to spend $800 billion this year 
on the Pentagon budget this year. And then we're having this big debate in Congress right now about spending $2 trillion over 10 years. Yeah. That's $200 billion a year on everything else, on healthcare, on childcare, on college, on climate change, on like, you know, broadband access, on like, you name it. Right. It's one fourth the annual cost of what the Pentagon is currently spending. It just, it's, it's the, the imbalance is just so stark. And why are we not talking about this more? Like, why are we not framing it in these terms and saying that $2 trillion over 10 years is like one fourth of the Pentagon's budget per year? Yeah. Also, what's interesting, remember, like when we went to Iraq back in the day, old 304, we were spending like $100 billion a year initially on those wars, just like pouring money yeah. into that place. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't even like, it was just like, yeah, we got to do this, right? Which we didn't have to do, but. No questions asked, right? It was like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, a blank check, you know, to go to fucking warlords in Iraq and pedophiles in Afghanistan who are warlords who happen to be on our side. You know what I mean? Like it was not even a, not even a problem. And like to, to get things done here is literally impossible. How do we get yeah. money out of politics? Like corporate money, like, like, you know, packs and stuff like that. You have to amend the constitution where you got to change the Supreme court. It's probably easier. Yeah, the problem is the Supreme court for the last 40 years has said that money is speech. Right. And that your dollars are like a proxy for your voice. And so as long as we still, as long as the Supreme Court's willing to continue believing that, and I don't think that actually is true, um, but they do, uh, as long as that continues to be the interpretation of the First Amendment, you're never going to be able to ban that type of money altogether. So you have to either amend the Constitution to like explicitly state that money is not speech and that you can reform campaign finance laws, or you have to, you know, appoint the majority of the Supreme Court who agrees with your views and is willing to change the 40-year precedent on it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a really dangerous thing, especially when you look at things like Citizens United, yeah. where they're able to basically they say that not, you know, because money is speech and because the First Amendment is so like so sacrosanct that you can't ever uh, you know infringe on it, we can let you spend unlimited amounts of money in politics. And you don't have to even just say who you are. That's how basically the Supreme Court is saying that the First Amendment is so special that you don't have to even disclose your name and you could spend unlimited amounts of money uh, basically destroying the political system. Yeah, it, I mean, it, like, it just does not make sense. I get protecting the First Amendment, right, and having strong protections there for the First Amendment, but. Like constitution is made to be amended, right? Like we need to look at the issues of the day and fix them, right? This is an issue. Huge issue. Yeah, like this it's is the crazy. single biggest issue affecting. I think more than any other issue, the issue of money is the single most destructive force in politics today. It's worse than social media. It's worse than like, you know, partisanship. It's all about money. If we can fix the money problem, everything else goes away. Almost everything else goes away. Sure. Yeah. You have to actually execute. But I mean, it's a massive hurdle. That's, you know, you cleared a massive hurdle. And I don't I mean, there's no way I, I don't see it happening because like we can't even like get rid of the filibuster to stack the court now. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm not very hopeful. But it's if you believe in the future of American democracy, like it's the only thing that can save us. You gotta get this money out. Because it's not just at the national level, it's everywhere where it's a problem. Like the these these interpretations at the Supreme Court trickle down to every level of government. So it affects not only Congress, it affects like state politics, local politics, county politics. Like it's just it's awful. It's well, really, even really bad. Your last election, right? You were getting there was money coming in against you that was like not anywhere near the district. Some billionaire. Ron Lauder, so, you know, uh, the makeup billionaire, he spent $10 million in a super PAC targeting me and like seven other Democrats. So basically, he gave my opponent $2 million worth of TV ads and radio ads. Wow. Like, who the hell is that guy right. to have a say? You know, you could, there is an argument to say that if you live in a neighborhood, if you lived in my district and you were a billionaire, there is an argument. I don't know if I necessarily would agree with it, but you can make a valid argument to say, because this person lives in this community, lives in this district, they have the right to spend unlimited money on their local representative election. Like I could see that argument. Sure. This guy doesn't even live in Brooklyn, has no connection to the borough, and he's allowed to spend $2 million basically yeah, running funny. negative ads about me on TV because he because the Supreme Court 40 years ago said he can. Like, that's bullshit. And that's just like, uh, just a pack, right? That's just a super just a pack, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm even okay kind of with like bundlers, like those kind of, sh- those kind of, like that kind of fundraising. But like uh, the billionaire, let's say a billionaire lived in Bay Ridge or Gravesend or, or, you know, your district. I'm not cool with like a dude being able to spend millions of dollars in that district. I'm being honest. Like, if he wants to bundle it with a bunch of his rich friends and hand over, you know, 200 grand to a uh, uh, candidate. Sure. Fine. But like, he should just be able to do like the three grand or whatever the limit is. Whatever but, the lim- yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah. it's just, it's so fucked. Like it needs to be. And that's why I didn't get with like the whole COVID thing where like we could debate mandates and like the arbitrary line of what you need to wear a mask and how many people and all that. But I told my like my friends who were like bitching about it. I'm like, bro, the government's number one job is to make sure less people die. Like public safety yeah. is number one after before anything. Right. So like the pandemic was a fucking once in a hundred, th- a hundred year thing. You know, the government's got to do what the government's got to do to make sure they can sustain life. Right. Like, yeah. And there's no, there no good options, right? There were no, they're all shitty options, shutdowns, you know, uh, whatever, like the, you know, you can't restrictions, all that. And like, we still came out, out of it. We made a vaccine in the, less than a year. Right. Yeah. And we're still like yeah. dealing with like just the mayhem that you got to deal with. I don't know. It's tricky, dude. I don't even know where I'm going with that, but I'm just, no, it's like, it's, it's really frustrating. It's, it's a real problem. And then like you take all that and then you combine that with the ability of someone just to like spend whatever they want in political races. And then, you know, it just, it's an unsustainable system at that point. If there's no, that's bad for democracy at that point. Sure. I, I mean, Especially you, when the system is being stress tested the way it was during the pandemic, when we were making extraordinary decisions under extraordinary circumstances. And then you add in, 
like unlimited money into, into the campaign process, it just it was impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible to get like a or to be a fair fight for a lot because yeah. you know. I don't love Democrats. I like you because you're my friend. And and at the end of the day, I know that you're not like a demon like cinema is. You know what I mean? Like I like one of those people. I know you're a secret progressive in your heart. Um, so what I can't stand is w- when people like lie. Like it's tough, man. I don't know. I think people would uh, really benefit and really respond to politicians that talk straight like how trump's fake like he was like oh, yeah. I'm a politician i talk straight even though he's i mean he's the guy's the biggest scam artist in the history of the world and like i guess yeah, totally yeah, yeah but if you actually get somebody who cares like a max rose too right like he talks straight he was like legit he didn't really mince words and like sure you have to deal with the mayhem to work in that political system but try and keep some of like a semblance of humanity right like after you work for it for so long like how do you deal with it Cause I know you're, I, you're an ideological guy, right? You have, I don't think you've been jaded too much yet. Maybe you know, a few more terms in state Senate. Sure. But how do you deal you with know, it? Is it? I don't look, I don't, I wouldn't describe myself as an ideological guy. I would describe myself as, you know, someone with, you know, cause I think when you say with someone's like ideological, like they only then adhere to their beliefs and they don't, that's like that's their only focus and their only priority. And I I don't operate really that way. I I have very strong beliefs. I have very strong values that I think shape how I interpret or think about politics and policy. And you know, when you think about the problems of the world and like what potential solutions are there, I have very defined answers based on the values I have. But that doesn't stop me from also like trying to think about what works in the real world. And, you know, like what, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense and like, and how to actually get things done. Um, you know, I can give you a couple of examples. Like when we talk about like criminal justice reform, right. And this has been in the news the last couple of years, we did bail reform a couple of years ago. It's always in the paper now. Like should someone sit in jail before they get, they go on trial just because they've been alleged to commit a crime. Should they sit in jail for, year and a half, two years, three years without ever having a trial, like on the, on, on, on the surface, like, no, like that's not what the system is supposed to be. And add on top of that, that people who can afford to pay their way out to get out of jail free card can wait for their trial at home. But if you can't afford to your get out of jail free card, you got to sit there for three years to go to trial. Like that's a really effed up system. Sure. Yeah. Right now balance that that understanding with the reality that there are, there are bad people in this world who do really bad things. Right. And like, you can't, you got to figure out how to stay true to your principles of saying like, no one should sit in jail for three years without ever having trial right. or ever being convicted of a crime while knowing that some people in that situation are actually not good people who have actually done bad things. I'm not talking about someone who like, steals a candy bar. I'm talking about like, people who like commit murder, commit homicide, yeah. like, commit violent offenses. Like, like you get to reconcile those two conflicts. That, that, that's a very real struggle. 
And so you can be values driven, but also pragmatic in how you think about the world and, and acknowledge the reality of it, right? The world is not some make-believe imaginary land that we think of in our heads where it's like everyone has this, you know, everyone's an angel, everyone's a good person, everyone does whatever, you know, like, um, or like you talk about healthcare, you know, you, you mentioned Medicare for all, like there's been this big debate, you know, nationwide about Medicare for all. And we're having this big discussion here in New York for the last couple of years about the New York Health Act and about like basically making a Medicare for all system just for New York, uh, which is something that I, you know, broadly supportive of, but, you know, it's really complicated to get there. Like it's not an easy. I remember you mentioned it to me, like the yeah, get it, amend it, the constitution. You got to do a lot. Like, there's a lot of work to do on that bill to like make it work. So I'm working on another healthcare bill right now that's trying to get at the fact that like some hospitals in New York City charge like 358 times more percent. Sorry, 358 percent more the average standard rate. For like basic procedures, which is a big problem when you think about like the health, 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 F that the healthcare system is. And like you can work on pragmatic solutions like that in the interim, sure, while still staying true to your broader belief that healthcare should not be a for profit business and that you should not have to live in a world where people have to like literally have bake sales to pay for their medical bills and things right. like that. They're not inconsistent. So just because you, you take a more pragmatic approach doesn't mean that you're any less committed to your values. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, listen, if you know, especially like regionally, right? Like, you know, you see the regional issues that we have in New York, right? And like you're find, trying to figure out a way to make it better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I give you credit to that. And like mo it's moving mountains to like change the constitution of like New York State or to get uh, some kind of Medicare for all or whatever and forget about nationwide. Like, I mean, you have to decommodify a hundred of i don't even know how what the market is of of uh health insurance yeah. in this country right it's got to be hundreds of billions of dollars a year right so those oh. hundreds of billions of dollars a year more than likely spend tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars a year to write the laws whenever it comes down to like some kind of regulation having to do with health insurance so like you're talking you're trillions fighting, of dollars a year trillions right, you're fighting a it's the truly david versus goliath and like yeah, it's it's honestly like I want it more than anything. Like it's literally the one thing that I look at and I'm like, this is a fucking scam. This is unfair. And I can't see it happening, especially nationwide, maybe state to state. Sure. Um, but nationwide, there would have to be like. Real deal change, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And like you said about like uh, before about people voting against their interests, I mean. That's Republicans one. That's their one superpower is yeah. they they make people vote against their interests. Some of the poorest states are Republican. Yeah. Yeah. And they constantly vote like, bro, if you made 250 grand, right. And you don't want your shit to go up 2% where you want to save 10, 13, $10, $15,000 more a year because you want an extra Rolex or whatever. Yeah. And it, that's that's the reason why you're voting one way. At least I can respect that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like for the people that aren't that rich, which is majority of, you know, 98% of people, it's unbelievable what they've been able to do, like to just to just bamboozle people. It's the belief that everyone can one day be rich. Right. That's really what it is. 
Like people know that they're not rich, but they want to believe that that one day they will be that rich. Sure. Yeah. That's the American dream. Yeah. It's totally. So- that's, that's exactly what it comes down to. What would you describe yourself as? Definitely not a democratic socialist because I'm not trying to get you prime married. Uh, so I think it's, a, it's, a, it's I, I, I would say I'm like a pragmatic progressive. Someone who consider like has like very clear values and like is just trying to be very realistic about how to execute on those values. Yeah, like how to actually get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you ever, uh, you ever see the movie Lincoln? You know, the Steven Spielberg movie came out mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, it was a great movie. And, and you know, there's like a scene in that movie where the like the most ideological anti-slavery Republican in the House of Representatives, uh, Thaddeus Stevens, like is so like anti-slavery. He's like the lead sponsor of the 13th Amendment, which would ban slavery. He is like the ideological uh, father of the anti-slavery movement in that in the Congress. And he is furious with Lincoln because Lincoln, who also wants to pass the amendment, is trying to win votes by like promising jobs, promising yeah. roads, promising cool. this, like twisting arms. And he's just like, how can you be horse trading on something like human liberty? Yeah. Which is like it's a fair question, right? Like a fair question. And in the movie, and there's no way to know if this is a real you know, real thing or not, but in the movie, at least, Lincoln's response is, like, we might all follow the North Star, but just because you follow the North Star doesn't mean you walk in a straight line to, like, get there. Yeah. Like, if you follow the North Star in a straight line, you might walk right into a swamp. You might, like, walk right into a ditch, right into an ocean. And then, like, then where, where are you? Like, you're, then you're lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes the, the best path towards your ultimate North Star goal is, like, a winding road. It's, like, Packing left and packing right and climbing this mountain, climbing that hill and like doing, it's not always pretty, you get a little dirty in the way, but you're still walking towards your goal, right? The ultimate goal is, you know, is righteous, right? Right. And like, I get it, right? Like, you know, slavery and anti-slavery is their absolute rights and absolute wrongs, right? And like, why do you need to fucking grease people to to vote a certain way? But it's just, it's just what it is. Like, it's just how how it's done. And if you want to get it done, you do Definitely, you're going to have to get dirty, sure. And there are, you know, layers to that, obviously. But yeah, that's a good, that's a definite good analogy of how it works. Now it's just like impossible, though. It's like, it seems impossible. And I, I'm assuming you do like a little bit of like the horse trading kind of back and forth stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it's actually not as much as you would think. Right. Um, which is like actually kind of nice. Like I, I've never been in a position where I've had to compromise on my, core values i think or like give up something that i think really matters to me um you know are there trade-offs for sure like have i had to make trade-offs definitely but i've never like never been told to take a vote i didn't like in exchange for a a favor or a benefit right right like that that still happens for sure Sure. i just i I have not had to deal with that well thankfully do you think it's because it's majority one party that certainly helps. Right. I would, I'm not saying because it's Democratic Party. I'm saying even if it was a Republican Party, that's still yeah, right. some type of. Uh, right. I mean, I'm trying to be nice, but I feel like Republican politicians are way worse than Democrat politicians. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. You don't have to say mm-hmm. I'll say it. 
right? Like they're evil. I, I, I can't, I can't not say it. Like I'm trying to like toe that line and be nice, but I just can't do it. But again, like I can see why it's, if it's not like 50, 50, like how every two years it, it sways one way or the other, like how nationally yeah. it does, why there's a little bit less horse trading in terms of like special interest, having such a grip on being able to like turn the tide places. Um, yeah, it's just but Democrats are not immune from it either. Like think back to absolutely not. Yeah. Think back like when we were passing the Affordable Care Act, right? Under Obama, Buffalo Obamacare. And literally, in order to win the votes of two senators, uh, there was Nebraska Senator um, Ben Nelson and Louisiana Senator uh, Mary Landrew. They literally wrote into the Senate bill that Nebraska and Louisiana would get more, basically like, you know, like Medicaid, which is a, which is a, a you know, a, a federal healthcare program for the poor. A lot of it, half of that comes from the federal government, the funding for it. Literally, it's based on a formula. So every state gets a certain formula, a certain dollar amount based on their population and the formula. Literally, the statute was like, the Medicaid formula is X, Y, Z. But if you live in Nebraska or Louisiana, it'll be X, Y, Z plus a thousand. And they literally wrote that into the Obamacare bill just to win their votes, um, which is like crazy. But the, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. To like think about it, right? He had a, he had the bill across the finish line. Or even look at like Lyndon Johnson and the Civil Rights Act, right? right? Democratic president, Democratic Congress. Um, and, you know, like the stories of him having to cajole and manipulate and promise and horse trade and bully and harass people, even in his own party. To pass civil rights, like which is you know, an absolute, you would think it's an absolute right, right? Like it's like the right thing to do. Yep, exactly. So like both parties play the game, both parties are at fault, and it happens even with things that are the most fundamental. It should be obvious, right? You know what's funny? Like yeah, the the Obamacare thing. It's kind of it's telling. Of what how the what how the government operates and like why money destroys it is uh I mean they basically had to get the okay from insurance companies. They killed the public yeah. option. And this was a democratic uh president, a democratic congress as a whole, and, and insane political capital too, right? Because Obama came in, it was like unbelievable, like you know, everyone was fucking loving Obama. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he had, I mean it. I mean, granted, he came in in like the 08, uh, 09 financial disaster. So they had to pass a little trillion dollars for that. And like, you know, should be love letter to fucking investment banks. They should call that. Um, but still, like he still he barely got Obamacare through and it was watered down. Yeah. It sucks, man. It's it's. And I feel like a good person who's interested in politics, interested in government. They must like when they're young. I'm sure you have like interns in your office or whatever, and like they see how shit really goes. Or they watch the news, and they see how it go, like the infrastructure bill, what's going on right now. And you see like people in your own party, right? Who ten years ago, cinemas texting fucking the rich should pay their fair share. You know, like regular yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. point stuff. And now she's teaching a class on how to fucking raise money from corporate donors. Yeah, it's an it's unbelievable. Like so, a young person that's trying to get into government or trying to get into politics. They must be like, this is, what is this? Yeah. No, I, I think they definitely, 
I can understand why people would get so jaded for sure. Absolutely understand why. Um, you know, I try to tell people it's, you know, you kind of, you have to, you have to play the game and fight the wars, you know, the way they're, the way the rules are currently, you know, drafted, but you can't change it unless you're in. Like you gotta, like, you gotta ante in if you want to play in the game. And the only chance you have to actually make it better is to get in the game. It's to get into the arena. Mm -hmm. You have to play, even if you don't like the rules. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the unfortunate truth. There's no other way to fix it or even try to fix it. What are you thinking about the mandates, the vaccine mandates for public schools? And do you think there should be a testing option? Honestly, like everyone should just get vaccinated. Just get vaccinated. That's like if, if, if more people got vaccinated faster, this would not be an issue. Um, and I feel like, unfortunately, you know, you have all these people sitting at home who believe that they know more than epidemiologists and virologists and like Nobel Prize winning scientists because they do some research on Wikipedia. All of a sudden, they're all like fucking vaccine experts. Yeah. Uh, like, it's, like, get your vaccines. This would not be a problem. The faster everyone gets vaccinated, the faster we can break the back of this virus, which then means we get back to normal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you're singing to the choir. I fight with my friends all the time. It's fucking unbelievable. Like, I love my friends, but they're fucking idiots. And uh, people who are like that anti-vax, something's. I mean, it's just like use your brain. I'm not asking you to fucking make the vaccine. I'm just asking you to you to do one plus one equals two. You yeah. Baby, like adolescent logic in your decision making. First off, we're all almost all vaccinated for like everything else, right? To go yeah. to school in a public school, we need to be be vaccinated or go to a city college. You need to have vaccination papers, right? It, yep, exactly. Unreal to me, dude. It's it's so crazy. I've had like I've had it not out, but I've had like debates with people like online, like people like uh, friends of the family and stuff where they're trying to push like ivermectin and stuff and i tell them i'm like yo if ivermectin proves to be effective in treating the disease as a therapy awesome dude let's use great but what the one thing that we know works is our vaccines not only do we know it's like the most tested fucking vaccines over there's like six billion people have gotten shot up already six billion yeah you know, and sure, will they be 0.0001% of people that have some kind of side effect to it? Yeah, but that's anything. You know what I mean? Anything. anything. Yeah. That's exactly right. Anything. And like, we're, we, the only way to get out of this is, is to get vaccinated. Like, there is no other way. That's it. It's the bottom line. Yeah. And so the more people that think that it's like their personal liberty to not get vaccinated, the more that mandates are going to be imposed on everybody else. Right. And actually, if you think about it, like vaccines are actually a way towards liberating everyone from the restrictions of all these other mandates. Right. Like everyone's beef last year was like restrictions, right? And shutdowns. We don't have freedom to like operate our businesses and stuff like that, which I understand that that frustration. Legit, like you said, the only way to get back to some semblance of normalcy is vaccines. That's it. Stop. Yeah, you want your freedom back? Get vaccinated. Yeah, that's it. What do you think? You want your happen? business back? You want your restaurant back? Get vaccinated. So the end. So New York City, they they're mandating NYPD and FDNY and EMS. What's going to happen with them? Because they're like some of the least vaccinated fucking 
government services. What yeah. happens there with like the unions and shit? I mean, the unions are all pissed off. The PBA said today that they're going to sue the mayor. Um, you know, the, the city has won every lawsuit brought against it in terms of the vaccine mandate. So um, I don't think they're going to be successful. I wish that the PBA would spend more of its time just encouraging its members to get vaccinated than anything else. You know, they're not wearing that. They're not getting vaccinated. There was a story yesterday about how like two cops in the subway without wearing masks, like push some other guy off the, you know, out of the subway station, like wear your masks. Yeah. Where you get, you know, get your vaccines. You know, set an example. Right. We, when we grew up, we were always taught that like police officers were like the role models to look up to, that right. they set the example for us. Like they were our heroes, our idols. They still play that role. They should still own that role. Mm-hmm. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. It's very simple. Why do you think police officers and FDNY and firefighters, they're like instruments of the state, right? If there's yeah. ever of an example of socialism working, is it not sanitation? Yeah. Uh, NYPD, FDNY, and, and they're in unions. And a, a big like portion of them are like right-wingers, more right than they are left, which I always find super interesting, right? Like I don't understand the logic there. Forget the vaccine. The vaccine has, there's yeah. no I don't, um, I don't get it either. I, I wish I had an answer for it. It's just, you know, the New York Times had a story a couple of days ago about how more police officers have died across the country from COVID. Like four times as many have died from COVID as have died from um, gun violence. Yeah, Psaki put the Fox News guy in his in her pocket. Yeah. Day with that question, with that answer. Like the number one cause of death be- among the police officers last year was COVID. COVID. Yeah. COVID. Like it wasn't like, so like it just doesn't I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know. Like I don't I I, I wish I knew because then we could actually like think about how to solve for it. I just don't know. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary to think about because it just doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no but, sense. So what happens? You're not running for, for governor. We said that, right? Mm-hmm. Are you announcing your re-election for state senate? I am. This is an exclusive news break. Yeah. I am announcing my re-election for the state senate. <laughs> we're also like, we're going to be going through redistricting this year. We're going through it right now. Won't get me crazy. I'm going to have new district lines. Really? Yeah. So like come... My, the district boundaries that I'll be running in next year will be different than what I currently represent. Far different or? I, we don't know. We honestly don't know yet. Yeah, don't get me crazy with gerrymandering now too, bro. Like that's another reason I hate Republicans too, bro. They can't play. It is. Well, I think both sides have gerrymandered for, you know, 300 plus years. Sure. Okay. Like both sides are guilty. Um, but it's bad for democracy. Because it leads to increased polarization. It leads to increased partisanship. It dilutes the ability to compromise, to talk to people, to negotiate with people. Um, It's just just bad for representation. But my district goes from Bay Ridge to Marine Park. Um, I represent 350,000 people. But if you look at a map of it, it's not like it's one block from Bay Ridge to Marine Park. Like I have half of Bath Beach half of Bensonhurst. I have half of Gravesend. I have like 
the docks of Emmons Avenue, but I don't have Emmons Avenue. I have like Avenue Y to Avenue U in Sheepshead Bay, but I don't have Avenue Z. It's like a very bizarre way. Yeah. Like who benefits from that? It just serves to disenfranchise neighborhoods and, and people. Um, like it should be objective. It should be as independent as possible. Um, literally like take a, take a, like a square shape on a map and just keep drawing square, yeah. square circles, whatever you want to shape you pick. Um, it's bad. Yeah. You so, see some of these congressional districts, it's like, I'm, Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Who came up with this shape? Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It, terror. Yeah, exactly. Um, so right now in New York, we go through this process every 10 years, the, the current process, typically in the past, it was done the legislature would draw their own lines. So literally like in the past, I would have the power to, to vote for my own district lines. A couple of years ago, they passed an amendment to the constitution to create a quasi independent commission. And I say quasi, cause it's really not that independent. Right. Um, an independent commission that would draw the lines, And if the lines that the, the independent commission drew were not satisfactory, the legislature could vote against them. And if we voted them down three times, then we would draw our own lines. Uh -huh. um, but the problem was, as part of the independent commission, when the Republicans were in power, they basically put in two poison pills to say, number one, if Democrats are in control of the, of the legislature, they need more votes in order to disprove to, to vote down the line than if Republicans are in control of the legislature, <laughs> which is unfair. And number two, they said that, and this is a problem for New York City, if you are, you know, if you are incarcerated, you still count towards the population, right? Because you're still a citizen, you're still a resident, you still live here. But they will count your they will count where you are in prison as where your population is. So in other words, if you were a Bay Ridge resident who was in Sing Sing yeah. or who was in Attica, you would not count towards Bay Ridge's population. Yeah. You would count towards the population of the Attica districts. What does that mean? All of the state prisons are upstate. None of the state prisons are in New York City. So they're trying to- New York City is the largest city in the state, largest city in the country. So by, by just by pure math, more people, more people in the prison system come from New York City than anywhere else. That means that the population now gets shifted to those upstate communities. So they put in these two poison pills. There is actually an amendment on the ballot this November 2nd. When you go to vote this November, there is a proposal on the ballot. It's number two to change that and to take, get rid of that prison gerrymander, as well as that like Republican less votes thing. Um, which I think is a good thing to fix. So long story short, we're going to have an independent commission propose, you know, propose these lines. If the lines are not satisfactory, the legislature has the right to vote them down. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. We'll see. But there will be new district lines. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Worried about it? Like, just to give you an example of like how, how different it can be. Like, so right now, my district goes from Bay Ridge to Marine Park. The, the independent commission about a month ago put out like proposed lines, like draft lines. The, the Democratic commissioners put out one set of maps. The Republican commissioners put out their own set of maps. They're going to come up with, and they have until December to come up with a final set. But just to give you an example of like how different things could be, the Democratic commissioners 
proposed a district for the state Senate that goes from Bay Ridge all the way to Dumbo. So instead of like Bay Ridge, like where Hyatt Spence and Hearst Graves and Manhattan Beach, Cheapset Bay, it would be Bay Ridge, Sunset Park, Park Slope, Red Hook, Cobble Hill, like Dumbo, like very- literally a whole different shape yeah. and size and everything else. So huh. it, it, there's a lot of possibilities. And when do we find this out? We'll know, like, the, the Independent Commission has to have their final maps done by December 15th. We will know the new district lines by, like, the middle or end of January. All right. So then, like, then you have to, like, totally, depending on what happens. Well, I didn't think it would be that drastic, but. It could be. Depending like, what happens, what, it's like how you mold your whole strategy, right? Like, yeah. Exactly. Like, and who's to say that the line should be like east to west instead of north to south? Like, it's right. all fair game. Yeah, right, right. Huh. Yeah, it's always interesting when you get down to like where it becomes arbitrary and like any decision, right? When you dig through it, there's an arbitrary decision made. Right. One way or the other. But I mean, it's so wild to like go that, make it that much of a different, you know, yeah. different district. All right. So you endorsed, sort of, what did we learn today? You endorsed Bill de Blasio for governor. Yeah, all the way. You're, you're, you're going to go for re-election in your district. Hopefully it's yeah. not too, uh, too, cra- too uh, weird, too like redone. Um, and yeah, Republicans are demons. Republican politicians, sorry, not people. I think Republican people are misinformed. Yeah. Or greedy. Largely misinformed. Sure, yeah. We'll, we'll agree on that. Yeah, largely misinformed. What else? What else did we learn? What we learned that uh, that the new governor is a breath of fresh air breath from of fresh the old air. governor. Well, she's trying to put out, you know, she's trying to olive branch to everybody because she's Yeah, wrong. make lots of friends, which is smart. She got, she got to do. Which is great. Hopefully she gets some stuff done, makes people's lives a little bit better. And uh yeah. And then she deserves to get real uh, to get elected. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm really interested in like what she's gonna do. Like I have uh two, three weeks ago, she signed one of my bills into law. Uh it was my 30th law in three years. Like, I, I actually I've been doing pretty well. I have you know, I've I've been in office for three years. 30 of my bills have been signed into law which is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm really excited by that. But then I have 20 more that are currently waiting for her signature. So I could end this year potentially with 50 laws to my name, which is like a very, very big deal. Yeah, that's huge, bro. That's huge. Yeah. actually getting it done, huh? Like, get, and like, some of them are big, some of them are small, but like, it doesn't matter. Like 50 yeah. different ways that we've changed the law that now like the law of the state. Like, I'm really proud of that. Um, so, even I'm 30, not, I'm really proud of that, right? I'm not saying that because you're my friend and stuff, but it's good to see like a state senator that actually like is doing something, like gives a shit, is engaged, right? Because I could see you know people park their asses in their district for years and just you know do what you know, coast, they they want. coast. yeah. Um, big beef with everybody. I know it's this is late to the game because this happened like a year or two years ago. But like the the cameras for the speeding cameras, yeah. What's your st- what the, what the hell, man? You don't uh, like them? Not. I mean, listen. 
no, I don't like them. Obviously, I don't like getting a ticket in the mail. Sure. But I've learned to like drive slower. Right. Like I know. And again, I don't want to make the argument for you because I don't want this to be like just me agreeing with you the whole time. But the end result is people drive slower, which means when people get hit by cars, they have more like the more of a chance to live. Yeah. So it saves lives in the long run. So I get it. I understand the logic there, but I also understand people's frustration with it. Right. Life's hard enough. The city does have a lot of shit to deal with in terms of, uh, and you don't have much to do with that, right? You're a state Senator, but the city has regulations that you need to deal with and stuff. I understand the frustration, but I also understand the reasoning behind it. Right. Like, so that's where I'm at. Like, I'm okay. I just learn how to not drive over whatever, 35 miles an hour, if it's a 25 or whatever, you know, yeah. it's that simple. And I just want to see like, if somebody, I mean, I'm sure people have said this to you, like, what the fuck, dude? Like I got a ticket last month. What do you Yeah, call? And they say it to me. And what I say to them is don't speed. Like, you know, like, you know, you would, if someone says like, you know, what the hell do like someone broke into my house or like, I got arrested for stealing something. Like I would tell you, don't steal. Yeah. Or like you, you're traveling 11 miles over the speed limit at a minimum. And like you're that, like, don't do that. Like that actually is a dangerous activity that you are engaging. In. That is unsafe for people on New York streets. Um, you know, the, the data is if you hit a car, a car traveling at 20 miles an hour, hits someone there is, uh, a 20, an 80% chance that that person will be okay. I'll have some scratches, some bruises, 20% chance they'll be serious, 80% chance that they'll be okay. At 30 miles an hour, it's 50-50. You can kill someone at 30 miles an hour, believe it or not. Yeah. Right? That's like the data shows. You hit someone at 40 miles an hour, you have an 80% chance of either killing them or seriously injuring them. So like, it's like, really rock it's not rocket science it's like really just basic like this is the deadliest year for traffic fatalities in seven years majority of the crashes have been the fatalities have been overnight when the cameras are not turned on because the cameras are off between 10 p.m and 6 a.m like cameras they're frustrating but they work they work for you right like 81 percent of people who get one speeding ticket from a camera, don't get any more. Because it's like, shit, I got a ticket, I got to realize to slow down, and now I'll always be looking out to slow down. If they, right. they change their behavior. 19% get more than one ticket. People who get five or more tickets are the top 1%. So it's like a very clear progression as to how many tickets people need to get in order to change their behavior. Yeah, yeah. But it actually works to, to slow people down, mm -hmm. which means that it works to save lives. Yeah, I mean, listen, the logic's there, and it's it's obvious, right? And who's against who's against who's for death? Right, like who's for death? Like who's for speeding? Honestly, like it takes you an extra minute to get somewhere. Like I don't have sympathy for that. Mm -hmm. And like you know, people say, oh, you know, like you should have cops do the enforcement. You could put a cop on every corner in New York City; they still won't catch right. speeders. Yeah, yeah, they still won't do it. You know, like I was at a press conference a couple weeks ago. Uh, a three-month-old girl was killed, baby was killed by a car in Clinton Hill about six weeks ago. The car 
had 168 speed camera violations. Wow. Okay. Over four years. So, like, really, like, the worst of the That's worst. That's right? Yeah. We had a press conference at the corner where the girl was killed two days later. While I was speaking at the press conference, in the middle of the day, a car sped through a red light right behind me. So sped through one red light right behind me in the corner I was at. And then the next block sped through that red light also. So we were on Vanderbilt and I forget the cross and Gates. Okay. So sped through Vanderbilt and Gates and then Vanderbilt and Fulton. And then get this. There was a cop Dude, in a cop even like car. A quiet street. Quiet street. I mean, Fulton's oh, busy. Like traffic wise, it's not quiet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. There's a lot of traffic. Like Fulton, I'm sorry, Vanderbilt and Gates was like a bit more residential, but yeah, Vanderbilt right. and Fulton, it's a commercial strip, so it's yeah. busy. But there was a cop in a cop car on the corner right behind me, and there was a cop in a cop car at the other block on Fulton. The car ran through two red lights back to back. Not a, not neither cop car did anything about it. Nothing. So like, even if you had a cop on every corner, yeah, they don't always go after these people. And by the way, that same car that ran those red lights, someone snapped a picture of his uh, license plate. Turns out just last week, he crashed his car into a building. Like he's a really bad driver. They catch he should guy? not be on the road. Did they catch what was that? They can't, they, so they, he crashed his car into a building, and I don't know if he was arrested or not, but his car was totaled. Yeah. Well, he hits. Didn't he hit the the girl, the little girl? No. So the car that ran the red lights. Oh, the car that ran the red. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The car that ran the red lights. So like, the guy, the car that hit the girl has been arrested. Okay. And okay. has been charged, but the car that ran the red lights was not stopped by the police, and then just last week ran his car into a building. That's madness, bro. Yeah, yeah crazy. Don't, don't move, right? Like it's like an inanimate object. Yeah. Should be running into it. All right, one last thing. I don't want to get you in trouble. Why did they close a lane between Atlantic and uh, the Brooklyn Bridge? Just to piss me off? Like, what is it? Just to piss you off. No, that actually, I was. I spoke to the mayor about that, and he said, "I really want to stick it to you know this podcast host who like just like you know he, he never says good things about me." No, I hate uh, it even more now. <laughs> so, what's going on with the with? The cantilever, they call it the cantilever, that whole structure along the promenade. It is a very unique traffic engineering structure. Sure. Um, that you know was built when they built the BQE. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a self-sustaining structure, but the problem is it is nearing the end of its lifespan. So we're trying to expand and its life. We need to, it needs to be torn down and rebuilt, but they have not figured out how they're gonna do that yet because it's you know, to do that basically means shutting down the entire Bell Park right. uh, BQE, right. which makes no one happy. So what they're trying to do is by reducing the number of lanes, they're trying to take some of the pressure off of the, the structure mm-hmm. to extend its life sure. so that they can come up with a better plan for how they're going to rebuild it. Not just push it off because people who are rich in Brooklyn Heights are com- going to be complaining about construction the whole time? Well, I mean, they certainly are going to complain, but if they push it off, it'll literally, if they push it off long enough, the BQE will then cease to exist as we know it. What do you and mean? then they're going to have to deal with it. Oh, right. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. So like the question is, how do you, how do you repair the structure in a way that minimizes the inconvenience 
and minimizes downtime. And minimizes downtime. Because otherwise, if you don't, you're going to just have traffic going through Brooklyn Heights nonstop. I mean, the traffic now, honestly, is because I produce a podcast on Fridays, right? So we start the show at 8 o'clock at night, live stream. So I leave here, Bay Ridge, from at usually around 5.15. Before they, sh- they shut it down, the, uh, the third lane, I'd get there in about 45 minutes, maybe an hour if it was nuts. Now it's like an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and a half. It is an yeah. absolute nightmare. Because like yeah. no, it's, it's an abuse exit right there. You know it. It's it's a disaster at any time. Right? So yeah, no, it's it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Like they should definitely just pull the band-aid off, bro, and fucking fix it, do it. Close it down for two years and do it. You know, I thought we were close to them doing that, but you know, the mayor decided he didn't wanna to take on that fight. Yeah, he's running for governor and he's got yeah. big pockets in Brooklyn Heights. Yeah. We're screwed, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Anything else? That's it, right? Uh, that's a lot. We got we covered a lot of ground. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Covered so, a lot of ground. And I just about finished my beer. I'm very happy. Perfect Good beer. You ever have Heady Topper? No, never. What is it? It's an IPA. It's rated like it, it's an IPA from Vermont, from the Alchemist Brewery in Vermont. If you look it up, it, it's like continuously rated the best beer in America. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's legit. You can only buy it in Vermont. Really? It's very rare. Like people will like go to Vermont and like buy a case of it mm-hmm. and then sell it locally. Oh shit. But it, it, it's wow. very rare. So like my parents were up there a couple weeks ago for a wedding, and I said, before you come home, you have to stop at any any way you can yeah. and just pick me up some heady topic because you can't get it anywhere. And it's really oh you only drink it from the can. There's no draft or anything. It is a phenomenal IPA. If you like IPAs, I don't like IPAs. They're gross. They taste no, well. It's so bad. Best beer in America. Really? I mean, listen, go for it. What is it called? Heavy Topper. It's called Heady Topper. Heady Topper. Yeah. Andrew Gennardis, state senator, future governor of New York State. Future lieutenant governor. It's a governor Kentucky's here. Yeah, definitely, bro. I'll be out of the race <laughs> one day. <laughs> my tweets, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Later, bro. Thank you. Yeah, good seeing you. Good talking.